Hello everybody and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 271 with a review of The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I am Carson Patrick. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, Carson Patrick and I are going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week we have the sequel to The Hobbit, the, uh, the controversial film, I'll go ahead and just say. Uh, that was Whoa. a film... That was the one. Well, where... I mean, they did had have to cut out the Hobbit rape scenes. I mean, that was <laughs> that was a pretty big deal. I, I I don't necessarily mean from the community, but I mean on this podcast, <laughs> this was a film that I think we were, you know, we are huge appreciators of the Lord of the Rings. The Hobbit film was coming out. We were excited to tr- check out this new high frame rate action. Yes. This, this was supposed to be like the greatest cinematic the, experience of our young this, lives. Uh, new fangled technology, high and frame it, rate. And of course, uh, turned out to not exactly uh, end, end up being something that we were that excited. Or in the end, we just didn't like it that much. It and was pretty much the opposite of what was being it was being touted as. Yeah, like pretty much Peter Jackson ruined high frame rate for the rest of the I people. I mean, like I just, other than the Hobbit movies, I don't see anyone else using high frame rate or shooting in 48 frames like i just don't see that happening i mean i could be wrong but to me uh, you know i think we discussed pretty uh, ad nauseum in the first hobbit review that uh the high frame rate was pretty terrible yeah yeah it was pretty much uh just janko vision <laughs> watching a really like sped up uh ps3 game or something or video game yeah but thankfully we were uh we 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 now know we experienced that and we were able to go in and watch this film hobbit the desolation of smog in hobbit 1.2 or whatever yeah we were able to go see it in normal frame rate non-3d you know like (laughs) like a regular movie basically so uh, I, i i will say right now that i saw this the way it was supposed to be intended in 2d 35 millimeter so Peter Jackson put all that work into uh, shooting in 3D, and then uh, I just went and ruined it all by seeing it in the complete opposite format. Yeah, so so now that we've spent the first part of this episode talking about it, you can rest assured that nowhere else in this review will we have to dip into explaining how crappy the film looked and compare it to, like, BBC plays and stuff like that. <laughs> right, yeah. HD cam, soap operas or something. But there is one thing I did want to mention just before we get started, related to the film, of course. But, uh, you know, before this started, after they played their, like, go big or go home uh, thing, after they played their... Movie time! Movie time! (laughs) After they played that stupid thing. After, like, the three different things that Regal plays for the movie started, there was another one, which was, like, uh, one of the actors, I don't know, because without the makeup, I couldn't tell who the hell it is. I think it was Oak and Shield, but... Uh, he, he was saying, hey, go out and buy your super movie ticket, uh, upgrade your ticket to the super movie pass ticket, whatever. Um, yeah, so you, did you hear about this thing they're doing for this movie, Carson? I did not, no. So, like, it's instead of paying, you know, the $20 or whatever you did to go see this thing in IMAX if you're that kind of person. Right. Um, but essentially, it's you, you pay $40 and you get an early digital copy of this film and a digital copy of the previous one so you get the first two hobbit movies mm. and your ticket for forty dollars um do you I'm, get like a free popcorn or something or <laughs> no just get... in fact i was googling it just to make sure i knew what the program was and one of the one of the headlines for somebody who was covering it was parentheses popcorn is extra <laughs> um but yeah Wait, she... you don't you don't get like a like commemorative 3d glasses like they did for the the first hobbit no I like ridiculous I looking uh 
mountain shade thing. I don't. It, those things were ugly as hell. Yeah, I, I don't think you got that. But I didn't want to say like, what is your take? I mean, other than the fact that it's an ultraviolet copy, and I'm not exactly a supporter of the ultraviolet format. I, um, yeah, I haven't used that ever. But let's just pretend it was an iTunes digital download, um, or even if you're, you know, a Sony digital downloader. Or Sony owns Ultravi- Ultraviolet. I don't know how it works, but I don't. It's like the go. It's like the norm now for digital copies. Like when you buy a Blu-ray, it's like all ultraviolet now. I think it is. It's it's, it's like a couple of the companies do that, and then a couple of the t- companies still do the iTunes downloads, but which is uh, apparently a lot easier to access. Oh yes, very much. But uh, yeah. let's just pretend for the sake of argument that you got either or. Like you could pick at the time of purchasing your ticket. What do you think of the idea of going to see the movie, paying an upcharge, and getting the digital copy? I have no interest in that. <laughs> no interest whatsoever. I have absolutely no interest. That's a waste of money, in my opinion. <laughs> Especially since the first Hobbit wasn't that great. So I'm just like, I'm paying for a movie that like I don't even want to own. Um, if it was for like something I was excited about, like if it was the sequel to a movie that I liked, I mean, I still wouldn't go for it, I don't think. Because... I just, like, no. Like, I'd rather just buy the movie when it comes out normally. I mean, I think the only time I've used a digital copy was when um, I was, like, coming home um, at Christmas time from Florida visiting relatives, and I wanted to watch something on the plane other than, like, you know, G-Force or whatever was going to be playing <laughs> um, that they were going to force you to watch. But uh, So I I, down, I got Inglorious Bastards on Blu-ray, and I got the digital copy of that. I was watching it on my phone so just so I could watch something. Like, but that's, like, the only time I've ever, you know, used it. Well, what, what, what would you say if there was a similar plan where you got the Blu-ray DVD day of release like so you so like right now this very moment you purchase your ticket for um christopher nolan's interstellar you purchase it for 40 dollars, and then you see it in theaters um with the day it opens and then the day it comes out on blu-ray it just gets or delivered to your house via amazon drone or something like that <laughs> then uh, we, I, I might go for that if they give me like the hard copy and if it's like an imax ticket too <laughs> Um, and they also include like a Blu-ray copy of like following Criterion Collection. I don't know. <laughs> so Christopher Nolan Maybe. has to arrive at your door and yeah, personally he, hand he you has the to copy. Hand deliver it and be like, "Here you go. Here's your Blu-ray. Thanks you for watching." Yeah, I don't know, but I, I think those like those like super tickets or whatever. I mean, they're just like another big gimmick because I, I think they did that for they did it for World War Z also. Yeah. Um, where you bought, uh, you paid for the movie and you got a digital download of it. Like when it, like you would, you got the codes and when it came out on on uh, video and stuff, you could yeah. get it right away. And then, but you also got like a free popcorn and you got like commemorative 3D glasses and they gave you like a little more than just like the the digital download. Yeah, well, I'm I'm just thinking specifically now because this was. This this is they they showed this in the movie theater as the movie is about to start like a yeah, cast member weird. popped on and tried to pimp it out. But it's I think, like, well, I'm already here, so <laughs> like I'm already seeing this movie that you're trying to get me to see supersized. But I think where where it is pretty cool is like let's say let's say you're an adult, a married adult with children and you go to see a movie, you're already spending $80 to get right. your family in here to see this. For another $20, you will get this download early. And you know your children will be able to watch this repeatedly ad nauseum for 
like the end of time until like imagine if you're going to see frozen and you could pay 20 extra dollars to get frozen downloaded so that you could show your children um, i mean yeah that that could probably be uh worthwhile yeah I, I think it's an interesting concept and i know i i for me i'm at the stage in my life where the only time i really want to own a movie is when i want to be able to force somebody to watch it in the future um like because i don't really usually revisit movies on my own unless i'm watching them with somebody else um or if yeah. it's through some sort of rental service or something like that uh but it's like i don't really need to own it because i know it's awesome <laughs> it's sort of yeah. like like buying a dvd or a blu-ray is sort of like the equivalent to putting a poster on your wall it's like this is just here so that somebody can see that i support this movie oh yeah i mean i just bought a bunch of uh movies on black friday and like I'll, I'll probably never watch some of them ever yeah. again but like i don't know i just like having them in case you know there comes a time where it's like hmm, yeah i want to revisit that or yeah like you know. i i still have a, like from from a similar sale like way back in the day i have like the special edition version of the abyss that's still in the shrink wrap from like oh yeah, yeah like 10 years that. ago yeah but uh yeah good times anyways that was a long digression i, I just i if it was a digital medium in a, in a thing that I liked and I knew it was a movie I was going to support and I could just have it available like on my Apple TV for the rest of time just because I went and saw the movie in theaters, that would be an exciting uh, sort of prospect for me. Um, so I'm not, you know, by any means going to be hopping on board to buying super tickets anytime soon. But for really big pic- uh, releases that I know I'm going to like, just the idea of having that digital version around is kind of cool. Yeah. And, you know, just to talk about it some more, I think they're doing that for Anchorman 2 also. You, could just, <laughs> you get to see it. No, I saw it, like, on, on the AMC uh, website. It was, like, they're, you get to see it, like, two days early, and then you get... Uh, a mustache I think, and... Uh... I think you get, like, a bottle of Ron Burgundy scotch and, uh, like, you know, like, the same thing. Like, you get, like, a digital copy of the first movie and the second one when it comes out. Huh. And then also... You could just uh, see it early or something like that. I guess they're just trying to go for that. They're trying to get like as much money out of people as possible. Yeah. Cool. Well, there you go. All right. Well, uh, talking about trying to get as much money out of people as possible. <laughs> <laughs> we are getting ready. Boy, right. I'll say. <laughs> we are right now getting ready to discuss the second of three films made from a single book that is only like 400 pages this is a single film that's like 12 hours long yeah um but uh yeah what do you say carson we take a listen to the trailer for the hobbit the desolation of smog and then come back and let everybody know if this year wait has been worth it okay truly the tales and songs fall utterly short of your enormity, O oh, Smaug, the stupendous. We are the dwarves of Elabor. We have come to reclaim our homeland. I offer you my help. How do we know he won't betray us? We don't. There is no king under the mountain, nor will there ever be. It will not end here. With every victory, this evil will grow. Legolas has grown very fond of you. Do not give him hope where there is none. You have no right to enter that mountain. I have the only right. 
We've been blind. In our blindness, our enemy has returned. I found something in the Goblin Tunnels. What did you find? My courage. Good. You'll need it. Dragon fire and ruin. That is what you will bring upon us. He cannot see beyond his own desire. I will not risk this quest for the life of one burglar. His name is Bilbo. So that was the trailer for The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smog. The Desolation of Smog. Excuse me. I'm just going to do I, that. I, I will just, I think it's pronounced Smaug. Smaug. I, yes. I, I don't want to, uh, you know, uh, have some unruly Tolkien fans calling in because they will. Of Obviously. course. Yeah. yeah, because all the Tolkien fans who just <laughs> read the text know exactly how it's supposed to be pronounced. They exactly. Um, no, but, but like even in the movie and then like in other like promotional things, everyone has been saying Smaug. So it's because he has an accent. It's it's not. It's not. How it's I, I guess so. I mean, I I think it can be interchangeable, but it, there is a U in the in the name. Oh, is so, there? Yeah, so it's, you know, when you say smog, it's like, oh, like, smoke in the sky, like you're in L.A. or something. All right, well, either way, The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. Um, But really, I think it's like a tomato-tomato kind of thing. Yes, it is. Now, continuing, (laughs) before we beat this dead, uh, whatever kind of creatures they ride in (laughs) Middle-earth. So, in The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug, it is smack dab in the middle of this story of the hobbit and essentially the plot of this film is hey you see that mountain we see in the distance let's go there there might be a dragon there and then they go there and spoilers that the dragon there um so there is a dragon so you know the the dwarves are trying to make it back to their rightful home and steal this arkenstone because something about this stone will allow them to (laughs) rile up a bunch of other dwarves and they can have a little dwarf party. And they and, can take back their kingdom or something like that. Yeah, you know, classic Middle-earthy type stuff. <laughs> yes. I mean, we don't have our uh, Middle-earth uh, resident, Kurt Jackson, with us <laughs> to right. uh, fill us in on all things uh, Tolkien. But uh... but literally, like, just plucking this story out, this is just the point which they've they've gone th- – the, the dwarves have gone through most of their journey, and they're about to arrive at the mountain – and they yeah. kind of just like this entire film takes place in the amount of time of, hey, let's cross this river and then we'll be at the mountain. And then they or sorry, let's cr- cross this giant lake and then we'll be at the mountain. And then they do that um, because we still have another movie where they have to finish the story off. Right. I mean, this movie is still ongoing. And that's the thing is that um, I, I mean, obviously, uh, a complaint that I had about the first movie was that, you know, one, it feels like we've seen all this before. 
and B, or, <laughs> yeah, B, <laughs> why not? Uh, B, too, uh, you know, it's just so distended that you're sitting there going, like, there's no stakes because I know that there are two movies left. And the same thing with this one. It's just like, I know there's, there's another movie left, so, like, why am I even getting invested in these characters? It's not like how the you know Lord of the Rings was, where there were three separate books. You know, in the it was obviously it was a trilogy of books, and there were so there were three separate movies, one movie for each, and that was that. And obviously, the story was spread out, supposed to be spread out over you know the three books, and it works that way. You get invested with the characters along you know their journey and and et cetera, et cetera. Here, it's like The Hobbit is like shorter than all three Lord of the Rings books. Yeah. And yet we're getting three movies. And that's just so bad because um, where I think, you know, I still think that Peter Jackson is a, is a, is a great filmmaker. But I, I totally feel like the, the passion that was present in the Lord of the Rings films has been replaced by total capitalism and in, in with these films it's all about like well we need to like milk this for all we got so we can get you know your money basically uh I, that's what it feels like i mean it doesn't feel like a, a wholehearted thing like it I, i'm almost surprised that the that the next hobbit movie isn't split into two parts like the <laughs> hobbit there and back again part one and part two just to really like it would be the Hobbit there and the Hobbit back again. Yeah, just to really you know milk it dry because by the time uh, Unexpected Journey was over, I already felt like I, it was spent. It was just like no, like we're essentially watching the extended editions in you know as the theatrical versions. Like there's so much filler. Like this movie, the the Desolation of Smog Smaug. Uh, is is all it is is filler. It's literally three hours of filler, and I I think that uh, I mean I, personally I think it's one of the worst movies of the year because it is just completely stagnant and devoid. I think of any of the adventure or sense of fun that uh, you know the Lord of the Rings movies has. I think I think in Unexpected Journey there was a there was still that sense there, even though I was you know thinking I was watching a video game with all the, the the newfangled technology and everything, but I still felt like there was like some, you know, grasp of the adventure there, even though they were trying to mold it into the style that the Lord of the Rings was. And they're still doing that with the second film, with the introduction of uh, Kate from Lost, her elf character, which is a completely made-up character for the movie that was not in the books. Well, technically, Legolas is a completely made-up character well, yeah. for, the, for the book, too. I mean, Legolas shows up in this movie. He's not in The Hobbit. But uh, the Tariel, that character, is is completely made up uh, for the, the world of Middle-earth. And um, which, again, it's kind of like they had to go back to fellowship of the ring where they introduce the Liv tyler character which that character was a made-up character for those you know films um she was not in the books and uh or she was a guy in the books or something like that and um so you know they kind of have to like insert and they insert this whole like romantic subplot between her and one of the dwarves 
like the one who's like not quite as ugly as all the other ones <laughs> not the one who looks most human yeah the most human looking dwarf and it's like so there's a scene early on in the film where uh kate is talking to uh this dwarf guy and um he's in he's in like the jail cell they're in like the elf kingdom and uh she's talking to him and they're having like this you know flirty conversation and I'm just sitting there going, like, this never happened. Like, we're watching just filler. Like, that's it. Like, I mean, I feel like that this, in um, in an extended edition, that would have been a scene. But since they have to pad out this as a trilogy, this is in the theatrical version. And, I, and like, that whole time, I'm just sitting there going, like, you know, this is... This isn't fun. Like, I, I really don't think it is. And, uh, you know, I've been hearing a lot of people, or I, I read a lot of people online saying that, or the people that like this one said that this was an upgrade from Unexpected Journey. And I personally don't think so. I think this is a huge downgrade because the movie isn't, it's not a movie. Like, it's it has no beginning, middle, or end. It's just there. It's not, it's existing in this, like, plane of existence of nothing. Like, Well, it's just, it, it has only a middle because that's what it is. It's the yeah. middle of the story. And it's, it's but, like, real fast. But, r- I mean, like, fast. as a three-act structure for a movie, yeah, it's the, it's the second act in an overall three-act structure, but, like, yeah, yeah. as but a there, movie, there's no, there's just, no, if you had somehow not seeing the Lord of the Rings and somehow not seeing the Hobbit on an expected journey, you would be completely lost in this film. And in a second, oh, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll get to ex- like another example of that, but just going back to that little romantic love interest, the, the fact that that was there doesn't bother me. If Peter Jackson wants to throw in extra little junk, I have no problem with that because I'm, I'm not like super, I don't have this crazy allegiance to the source material. The problem is that character is there to create a love interest for Legolas just so they can throw him back into the movie, but then they write a separate love interest with him and with her and one of the dwarves, which means it negates the whole reason for Legolas to even be in the... Like, it feels like they're like, how can we wrap Legolas into this film? Oh, I know. We'll, like, have this character be a love interest for him. But they're like, well, that's not really going to go anywhere because they can't be together in <laughs> in The Lord of the Rings. So right. how I are mean, we going to but- fix this? Oh, we'll give her a different... Lo- like, so it, it's... It just feels really sort of ridiculous the way they have all this crap going in. Like, they're no, shoehorning I mean, I, in a character yeah. just to pay off the fact that he's in later movies, but they don't have... A, like, he doesn't do anything of note, at least not in this film. Maybe in the third film he's going to do something cool. Um, but, but yeah, it just it doesn't make a whole no, I, lot I mean, of sense. I, I completely agree. Like, I'm not crying foul because it's deviating from the source material. I mean, like... That's fine if you want to make changes, obviously. They made changes in the Lord of the Rings movies, and they worked. But here, I you know, I think they, they made changes, but it's not for the better. Like, I don't think it serves the story that well, you know? Yeah. It really is just fan servicing, like you said, to bring Legolas back. And again, that goes, like, it's another thing going back to trying to incorporate as much stuff from Lord of the Rings as they can to get people excited. And it's just like, but that's not what The Hobbit is about. Like, it's, you know, there is none of that. Like, it's it should just be about, you know, the new characters and and Bilbo and his journey. And it's kind of it's kind of weird that, you know, Bilbo is the main character in these, you know, in the story, yet I in this second movie, he feels completely relegated to the background. Like, I, I don't think, like, 
Like, there were times where, you know, he'd pop up, like, behind a dwarf, and I was like, oh, yeah, like, Bilbo's still with them. Like, yeah. he really did feel like a minor character because um, they, they were focusing a lot on, you know, other characters. And it's just like, but to me, the focus of The Hobbit is always Bilbo, but this movie didn't really... Wait, are you, are you saying the focus of The Hobbit is supposed to be The Hobbit? The Hobbit, yes, exactly. That's that, what, that, that is the, the crazy statement I'm making. That doesn't sound like that isn't a true statement. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. But yeah, go, going back to your, to your problem with uh, it, it all being uh, filler, the real reason that, that it being filler, because like, so, so the, I mean, in, in a true quote stroke of genius sarcasm implied there, um, this film starts as a prequel to the first film. <laughs> I know, so, yeah. So, like... In uh, the, again, doing a, a callback or call forward to uh, the Prancing Pony and the town of Bree. Yeah, so, like... That was visited in Fellowship, so... Th- this film opens with a scene that takes place before The Hobbit on an unexpected journey, and we see... Um, we see uh, Oak and Shield sitting inside the little bar, the little pub, sitting there drinking his stuff, and yeah. uh, Gandalf shows up and says, like, hey, some people are trying to kill you. We should go take back your home world. It'll be really awesome. Oh, we probably couldn't do that, but if we had the Arkenstone, we could. So essentially, in like one scene, <laughs> Gandalf explains the entire setup for the entire movie, which, right. you know, like, that's fine. If you want to do that, that is cool. It supplies more information. But what's really the, the – for me, the issue of this film is when you add filler, it doesn't it doesn't help supplement and increase the awesomeness of The Lord of the Rings. It actually takes away from that. Like, here, here's my key instance. We have a scene in this film – where Gandalf for some reason says, "I know where I have to go," yeah, and he goes, takes he goes, off. Yeah, he goes this place, and he, and at this place he encounters the necromancer, and the necromancer like morphs into the Eye of Sauron. Um, spoilers. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I and, mean that's that's what happens. Yeah. So in that scene, you know, he's like, "Oh, this happens," and I mean, it's a cool visually. It's a cool scene. But uh, Gandalf is like, Sauron! And it's like, oh, it's so impactful because the next movie, the the main bad guy is Sauron. The right. problem is, it, when I watched The Lord of the Rings, I never questioned the origin of Sauron. I never went like, oh, like, how did this eye suddenly gain power and then, yeah. like, raise up an army of forces? But now, having this scene, I'm like, what the F was that all about? <laughs> like, You know what I mean? Like, as soon yeah. as the scene happened, I'm like... Yeah, what is this whole Sauron thing? It's weird because reading The Hobbit, the book, like, it feels like it naturally gels with the other books. But, like, seeing the movies, they really totally just feel like the Star Wars prequels, where you're sitting there going, like, I don't need to know where my shit came from. Like, I don't want to know, like, because, like, the mystery has been removed. And there's a lot of, like, little things like that scattered throughout the movie like where the one dwarf says like you know that's not my you know my brother that's my (laughs) wife or whatever and he's like that's my son Gimli and it's like he only said that because he's you know he's a character in the next ones yeah yeah. and and, you know there's like when oh like that's how he names Sting it's like no like I don't you know want to know where that came from I I don't remember and somebody can correct me but when 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 uh, Bilbo first finds that blade. Doesn't Gandalf inform him that its name was Sting? I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I could have sworn like it was previously named Sting before. I don't remember him stabbing a thing, going, "Oh, it stings." I'll call this Sting, but I could I could be wrong. 
I I can't remember either. But you you're talking about in in the first in Unexpected Journey. In in the actual book, The Hobbit. Oh, in the book. Uh, I can't remember now. I could have sworn that like when they first find the blade, like one one of the dwarves is like, "Oh, this this isn't a sword. This is like a letter opener." And then he's like, "You can have this, Bilbo." And then like Gandalf sees it and is like, "Oh, that blade!" Bra 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 bra, and says something yeah, special I, about it. That sounds familiar because you know it's, it is a, a special sword. Um, we need to get Kurt Jackson <laughs> to uh, uh, comment and tell us. Yeah. But yeah, no, I don't think it was. Uh, I don't think it played out that way in the book. Where he yeah. stabbed one of the spiders and said, you know, I shall call you Sting. I don't know, you know. Yeah, there just seems to be a lot of, like, this weird, like, tr- attempting to pay off that doesn't really pay it, it off. It just sort of, like... It doesn't need to be paid off. Yeah, it's like wink, wink. Yeah, it's really just fan servicing, like, but in a bad way because it does nothing. Like, it only hinders the story. It, like, doesn't help it at all. Yeah. And I will say... Um, you know, we we're gonna talk. We did say we weren't gonna talk about how terrible uh, the visuals were, but um, I will say this: seeing the movie in on a on a film print, like made the visuals like twenty percent less offensive. Like they didn't look totally, you know, like clear cut and everything. It, it at least took away that like HD cam feeling. My, um, minus the first person views of the barrels floating through the water, which looked that, like they were shot on GoPros or something that like that. Was, yeah, that was pretty terrible. Um, yeah, I was like, why did they just throw in like random GoPro footage? Like that, that did nothing. Like, I, I, yeah, I get it. They're in the water, you know. Um, but it, but still, the, you know, like I said before, like comparing the visuals in these movies to the ones in Lord of the Rings. It's like apples and oranges. Like there's there's no comparison. And um, and real, real fast, just to jump in, according to lotr.wikia.com/wiki/sting. Okay. Um, Bilbo did in fact name it Sting after he had quote stung many of the uh, uh, spiders with it. So. Oh, all right. We've so been proved wrong. I'm wrong there, but it just the way it happened. Yeah, the, it just the way felt, it, it, it was too quickly for me to like be like, oh, that seems legit. It just felt like really weird. Like, oh, cool. Yeah, it felt really false. It just rang really weird. Yeah, but um, but yeah, like you know, even in 2D, I, I think like the the visuals, uh, anything that's CG really stands out with that video game feel still. Especially during um, that sequence where they're in the barrels, the that action sequence. Like I, it seriously felt like you and I sat down in the theater and you were controlling the dwarves and I was controlling Legolas, <laughs> and we were like on a multiplayer level for like some game. Like it really did not feel like we were in it, and like that's like that's a whole like overarching feel that I get in this, you know from these movies is that like in the Lord of the Rings, I felt like we went to middle earth in these movies. It's just like, we're playing middle earth. We're not actually like going there. We're just, 
Yeah. And they they also broke the rule of three or whatever, where like you're not supposed to show the same thing three times. Like once you pass that, like it's just it's <clears throat> right. Like wh- legless whatever. sliding down. No, exactly. Like surfing on or surfing. The, yeah. It's like, like not yeah, only we, not we only did that. he do it more than three times, but Kate from Lost did it more than three times, too. She did it a lot, too. It's like, yeah, we, we know that legless is like an awesome, you know, bowman. But uh, and we know that he like you know surfed on some dude and surfed the elephant in Return of the King. Um, but it's like, come on, man! Like, I don't think he does that like all the time. It's just like total. Again, it goes back to like the the callbacks that feel really cheap. Um, but yeah, like that that action sequence especially was very video game like, and also you know the sequence with the spiders like. I, you know, I don't remember much from the book, but I do remember that scene. Like, that scene and the scene where they're in the barrels um, and the scene actually where they go to, uh, like, I think it's Bjorn or the guy that turned into the bear in the beginning with all, yeah, the, yeah. With all the honeybees. Those three scenes, like, still, like, I still remember those very vividly. And um, both of those scenes, well, you know, we already talked about the barrels, but, like, the scene with... Uh, Bjorn the bear and uh, the giant spiders like they just felt they felt really rushed first of all but also like when we're watching all the spiders like I I mean like I just again like when in Return of the King like when you see uh, Shelob Okay, I just can't. Remember. I totally I, forgot. I, how to I don't remember it. any of their names. Shelob, <laughs> but the giant spider in Return of the King. Yeah, yeah. Um. Like that that shot of like Elijah Wood and it's like coming up behind him like that was like scary like that was really creepy and that thing looked just gross like exactly how you think a giant spider would like that was utilizing CGI in like a really great way and like I still will remember like every time I went and saw Return of the King three times in theaters and every time people like lost their shit during that like uh, that shot like people literally were like. Eh like like audible ooze like happening well like in in this movie it's just kind of like oh like i'm not no no ooze that's fine though because in my opinion all that i can live with because the necromancer scene and all the smog stuff was pretty badass like those look great i thought i will disagree with that i think smog was like i I don't know why they hired someone like Benedict Cumberbatch to do the voice and the the mocap facial expressions when like we really didn't see any of it and his voice was all modulated and changed. It's like, well, why okay, well, you you, you you need to separate the voice acting from what was put on screen because what was put on screen was pretty badass. And I don't know where your complaint is that like they didn't like if if nobody would have ever told you that he did some sort of uh, mocap for it, you wouldn't have that complaint. No, but I'm just saying, like the the I am I am giving the complaint about the voice acting because it's like I I don't think it's bad, but it's just like why did they hire? They could have hired anyone to do that since they modified it. That's what I'm saying. You don't think that at all? I I didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was awesome. I mean, and also like yeah, like his facial expressions. Like, I don't think, like, there was anything there for me to, like, really pick up on. Like, you know, when you Andy Serkis did Gollum, it's like, yeah, like, I understand, like, how him, like, doing the movements and the and all the well, expressions Go- Gollum and stuff. was once a hobbit, which is a humanoid person, and 
the facial expressions are one to one with a human because he has big eyes, nose, mouth, like. No, but I'm saying like the technology there came through. Like the technology with Smaug didn't come through, in my opinion. But it's not a humanoid face. It is a dragon face. Yeah, but don't you think anyone could have done that? Like Andy Circus could have done that when he was taking a dump, like on his off time from shooting second unit. Like, and what I'm telling you is just because they didn't benefit from mocapping it, doesn't change the fact that what you saw looked awesome. Okay, well, what I saw, I thought still looked like a video game. So, uh, well, I think you are crazy making because, dude, I. How was that drag? Like Point, it was. What, name, it wasn't name, realistic. Name one quote real movie, not an animated movie that has better dragons in it than that. Uh, Reign of Fire with Matthew McConaughey. Dude, bullshit, right there. Dude. I I will take you to court on that one. Dude, I you can put those things side by side. I will put it side to side. I think you know that movie totally. Dude, the dragons from like Never Ending Story. That like. And now you're just being stupid. No, dude. I would <laughs> yes, rather take. You are. I would rather take the the dragons from like some 80s jim henson movie than the smog in this movie hands down all right um i'm pretty sure you're the only person in the world that would say that. no maybe your girlfriend would say that people back me up i feel like there are other people other than my girlfriend and me that would totally back me up on that find find one and tell them the number of the podcast and they can i i totally will because to me, Smog wasn't like – there was nothing like inherently interesting about him in terms of the design. Other than the like, fact that he was a giant dragon. He was a giant dragon, yeah, but like we've all seen dragons before. Like to me, the dragons on Game of Thrones look cooler than that. Uh, that for sure is incorrect because <laughs> those – like most of the time, those look terrible. I mean, no, I will agree that they aren't the best of uh, – cgi but i think like their colors and everything they have a design to them that make them stick out other than just like you know smog was to me he felt like a very typical looking dragon and in like the in the movie like he's mostly shrouded in darkness you never get to see him he's inside of a pit that has no external light i know but i'm just saying like when we get to see like the features of him when he does come into the light step into the light uh when we do get to see him i don't think there's anything really that defines him all right i think we will have to uh agree to disagree on that one because well either way i think we can both agree that the uh the gold that came out of those furnaces when they were like heating those up that looked pretty bad. I will I will give you smog, but you can't say that the gold looked that like gold statue thing at the end. That was like, whoa. Hey, I, I didn't mention anything about that when I said that there were two standout moments of CG. <laughs> okay. But I, I don't think that the the uh, the scene where Gandalf was fighting uh, the necromancer, that looked pretty video gamey too. But you didn't think that was a, an interesting uh, battle mechanic, I should say? I mean, I feel like if it was in a Lord of the Rings movie, it would have worked. It would have looked cool. I feel like if, if Smaug was in a 2001 movie, he would have looked awesome. But he's not. He's in a 2013 3D movie with new effects that look like video games. <laughs> 
Alright, well anyways, going on past that, my real problem, I mean, I, I think that seeing this film the way I saw it in a regular theater, watching it as a regular projection, um, made it, made me able to just watch it without thinking about how crappy the presentation of the film was, right. and uh, like really, I just for me, I couldn't, un- I couldn't believe what little technically happens in this story, and how filling in information in order to span this out to be long enough kind of just made me question why things matter. Like things with uh, your favorite guy who plays Zeus and all those other movies, (laughs) Um, like his whole character and like where his descendancy comes from and like all these things that like don't really matter. Um, You see, it, it just, this story spends a lot of time on facts that don't really matter that are, are like this entire film feels like an Easter egg. Like this is, yeah, it th- feels like the extended edition of, uh, the Hobbit. One. Like, like every, every time that a Pixar movie comes out, inevitably there's 13 blog posts by different tech companies and stuff like that, that all like they, they post a thing that's like, you know, the 50 things you probably didn't know about this story. And then they're like, Oh, look <clears> over <throat> here. There's all these like Easter eggs for Pixar stuff. Th- this movie feels like that. Like this entire film is made to be, uh, like, did you know that this person is related to this person? And did you know that this comes from here? And then that this person was this, and this person was responsible for that. And yeah. it feels like a lot of just, um, it's not even really paying off things. It's just uh, showing links between things in a way that doesn't really matter. Like, I don't need to know that long before the events of the Lord of the Rings, there was some weird evil necromancer dude, and somehow he was in cahoots with... Sauron like I don't right because it doesn't feel like this this story is ever going to really explain how that came to be it's information that is unnecessary and that's that's really what it comes down for me because like watching the movie I didn't like actively I was less bored with it than you it sounds like you were like I um during the the beginning of this film I was really really bored uh I was very tired once actually once they like got into their own like once the story got moving and I wasn't just like, Oh yeah, where were we? How are we picking up? Um, I was kind of just like, whatever, I'm just going to ride this out. Uh, cause I want to see this damn dragon at the end of this movie. And for me, that was enjoyable seeing all that stuff. It wasn't for you, but like that part, uh, I had a good time watching. Um, it's really just a weird exercise in seeing how bad things like, if you look at like the Harry Potter films, I can at least understand why they split that final book into two movies. Like yeah, there's, there, it was super long. Yeah. There's enough stuff happening that I'm like, Oh, I can see how if they truncated this and tried to fit it into one movie, it would feel even like even more like the other books did where I feel like I'm missing a bunch of stuff. Um, so like those I think deserve to be another movie. Even even in the Hunger Games, like as I said, I could understand it if they split the Hunger Games movies into like one movie <clears throat> about the pregame stuff and then one movie about the games. I yeah. would I would a lot of people would probably complain about that, but I would be like, Oh, I totally understood why they did this. Now we can expand on the story a little bit and I can enjoy it. In this, I don't really see what the point was of doing it. Like I can see them splitting the whole book into two movies. That's fine. Splitting right. the whole book into three movies, little weird. Which is what they were going to do initially was to just have two movies. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that's fine. It's pushing it a little bit, but I think that um, 
there is enough material in the hobbit to make it uh two movies although i still think it would have felt a little stretched but it wouldn't have been as bad as having it be three movies yeah and it'll be interesting to see like when it's all said and done like somebody does some like fan edit where they just chop all three movies down to three hours and see if it uh how well it plays that way yeah i know that that inevitably will happen like i can totally see that happening and uh i think that will probably improve the experience overall yeah because i mean you know it's still gonna have that like you know been there done that feeling but at least you would have gotten it you know in a compacted form and maybe it wouldn't have felt you know so exasperating um and i mean but my point of view on it other than everything else like it's I think the main thing is that it's just very disappointing to see someone like Peter Jackson and everyone who works at Weta and everything. Obviously, they're talented people and they're putting so much effort into these movies and the you know for like so little results. Like I've never seen so much effort being put into something that's producing like such little results. Like I I mean, it was kind of funny because, like, before the movie, I was watching, like, one of those uh, production diaries, and it was all about the 3D use, and there was a, there's just a shot of, like, Peter Jackson, he's got his headphones on in Video Village, he's watching, like, two monitors, he's got, all, he's got all this, like, stuff, like, in his lap, and he's got, he's switching between 3D glasses and his reading glasses, and he just looks so frazzled and, like, tired, it's just, like, I feel like that you know, he's doing, he's putting in the work for sure, but, like, I just don't think it's there, like, to me, like, it doesn't, doesn't feel like it's there. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that the, the first, the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy that he made was a pretty spectacular um, result yeah. for his effort. Like, that was, that's, it's still the best fantasy movie that I've ever seen. Um, the, you know, the, the trilogy as a whole is, like, a perfect work of art and, even I mean, though it, it may was not, a huge achievement, yeah. Yeah, even though it may not be perfect to people who have read the full Lord of the, the Rings, um, to me, like just watching that, I was like, okay, this is like the standard for which all fantasy genre stuff is going to be judged for the rest of time. Um, the Hobbit movies, unfortunately, have to be judged against that same criteria, right? And so far, are not working out. Like they have their they have their little moments that shine, but um, as a whole work, they they just don't feel that spectacular. Yeah, um, I mean, we do have to remember that every Lord of the Rings movie was nominated at the Oscars for Best Picture and, and all a bunch of other stuff. And, you know, obviously yeah. Re- Return of the King won that year every in every category, and The Hobbit will never hit that. Like, it's, you know, it's not going to... Maybe it'll be up for some visual effects stuff, but it won't be, you know, in the same category as, you know, for Best Picture and all that. Yeah, like yeah. I, it'll just never. It, it really, truly does feel like how you know uh, the Star Wars prequels, where it was just like, obviously, it isn't as you know, it didn't come as after the fact as the originals, but yeah, it does have that feeling of like, why? Like we're just going back to the well, and it doesn't feel as good or look as good as it did, you know, the first trip there. Yeah, I, I just feel that, that the Peter Jackson should have aimed with the Hobbit movies to hit the um, Harry Potter audience instead of hitting the Lord of the Rings audience. Yeah. I mean, it really, 
if Peter Jackson hadn't directed these movies and it was just been done by like I don't know so and so, I don't think like it would be as disappointing because you've just been like, all right, well, I, I don't know. I mean, like obviously it's hard to say, but I don't know. It just feels it just feels like extra sad that he's the one behind it because it doesn't feel you know the same, but. Yeah, well, I think he's it's, he's trying to do himself as opposed to him just doing something the way he right. feels like he should do it. Like he's trying to um, work it up that way. And maybe, you know, maybe it wasn't a complete cash grab to make three movies. Maybe he really, when he got to the point of like, these are all the things I want to make sure I tell. What can I weed out? Maybe he reached the point where literally he couldn't weed out enough stuff for his own mind. His own mind is just gone a little bit. He's like Radagast or whatever that guy's name is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's got bird poop on his uh, in his hair and everything. Yeah, he's just a little little. He's gone a little crazy now. He's spent too much time um, yeah. looking at forty eight frames. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I will say, best part of this movie is the cameo by Stephen Colbert. I did not catch that. He was the uh, the dude with the eye patch in the. It's like oh. when they're panning over this. This yeah. I, I laughed though at that because I was like, what? this dude just like put on an eye patch, like yeah. just like plopped on. But he had, yeah, he like had the eye patch up and then he drops yeah, it down. And then he drops it down. Maybe that was to show like uh, that it was him. Yeah, I don't know why he got a cameo in this movie, but it was awesome. Well, I had heard about that like uh, uh, when they were shooting that he visited the set and I guess oh, okay. like, and they, just had like... A, they just were like, hey, you know, come like, you know, be this guy or whatever. Yeah. And so, but it wasn't until after the movie was over, I was on IMDb and I saw his name and I was like, oh yeah, like he was supposed to be in it, but like I. Yeah, like he didn't it. have a, he didn't have a character. It was like an establishing no. shot of that little yeah. the. It was it was like uh, Peter Jackson walking out in the beginning. Yeah, eating a carrot. carrot. <laughs> yeah, which was apparently a callback to Fellowship of the Ring. I guess he played a similar character, chomping a carrot. Did he? Is that, it, did he? Well, like in that town, like I guess that. Oh, was, gotcha, gotcha. So like that was like a like he was, you know. Well, uh, what was annoying about his cameo is he was playing it up like, yeah, I'm here. Like it was. No, that's what that was. That's what was so funny about this cameo because it's the first thing you see in the movie, like the first character. Yeah. And you're just like, oh, okay. Like I actually thought that was pretty awesome, but then I was like, and now the rest of the movie. See, I, I liked it when his voice had the cameo in District 9, where he's the one that's telling uh, uh, Vickis or whatever his, the character's name is. He's, like, t- explaining to him, like, how to fix his mic and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, at the beginning, that's Peter Jackson's voice behind the camera. Um, huh. At least I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, yeah. No, that's probably true. But, like, like in that, it's more a thing, like, well, if you recognize that voice, then it sounds right. like a cameo. Um, but it's not like a character like, what's up, doc? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like full on looking at the camera. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah. Or like his, uh, blink and you'll miss it, uh, Santa cameo in Hot Fuzz. I think I blinked and missed it. <laughs> go back, go just watch the opening sequence of uh, Hot Fuzz and he's the Santa. Who he's stabs, the one that stabs him with the scissors. That stabs, uh, Simon Pegg in the beginning. Yeah. Nice. Good times. All right. There you well, go. trivia. Do you have any uh, last things to say about this film? I I don't. Other than like, I'm really excited to watch uh, Interstellar one year from now. Yeah. Even though I have no idea what that movie's about, it's a badass trailer. It's a, it's a pretty a teaser. badass teaser. Like I was immediately like, yep, 
I'll watch it. Yeah, no, I, I was like really excited to watch it. And if somebody said, what's Interstellar about? I'd be like, I have no idea. It's I, about space travel. I'm not even sure if all that stuff is in the movie. <laughs> well, the uh, obviously the stuff at the end with McConaughey, and but all the other stuff was like retro footage. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, it, it, do you know what time period this like Interstellar is supposed to be in? Uh, I guess in the near future, because but it like is a, the, it is about uh, space exploration. Yeah, but all the all the footage made it look like it was like our earliest space. That, that's why I'm saying like it feels like this trailer this this was just a teaser cut together to set a mood. But like, let's just let's just say dirty Matthew McConaughey driving away in his car doesn't look very futury to me. Well, I think it's it, I think it's definitely supposed to be present day or the near future because uh, like all that retro footage is obviously like yeah this is uh, this is what we've done in the past like all of our yeah yeah you know exploring I guess and then like you know we lost it and now it's time to get it back yeah I just wonder I just wonder how many times Matthew McConaughey in this movie Matthew McConaughey will be like second in command and then his first in command dies and he has to take over the ship and then run it and then <laughs> lose his command again and then his commander the person in higher command than him dies again and then he becomes the commander of the ship i'm just just wondering i don't know that's my that's my reference to the new star trek movies it's possible he it's possible that he is playing con <laughs> yeah you hear that that JJ admits that hiding the identity of or hiding that he was playing Khan was a stupid idea. Yeah, I thought that it was pretty funny because yeah, we all knew it was Khan. Yeah, but anyways, Carson, let's just get to our verdict for this movie. If you're going to give this a must see, a recommend with a caveat, a wait for rental, a pass with a caveat, or a must avoid, what would you give it? Um. Well, obviously, if you're into the Hobbit movies or are just a huge fan of the books and whatever, you're probably going to want to go see it in the theater. And that's totally, you know, plausible and acceptable because, well, yeah. But, I mean, for me, I uh, I personally was just not a fan of this, and I'm not a fan of how they're handling this as a trilogy. And uh, I'm just going to give it a must-avoid because I really don't think there's anything beneficial from this movie. I think, you know, with the with Unexpected Journey, there was, like, you could get a little something out of it. Uh, but uh, here, I to me, there really is nothing to pull from it. I would say that the, the story that is presented in the first one is better, better than this one. The way the story is presented in this one is better than it was in the first one. All in all, I would say this is probably a wait for rental. However, if the third one ever has a chance of paying it off, you will have wanted to see all of them in the theater. Maybe just right. wait all the way to the third one and then watch the marathon that I'm sure they're going to do where you get to <laughs> see all of them in theaters. I don't totally. know. It, it's like this one literally is the middle story. Like there's – I don't know. It's, it's so weird. Like I – I mean, it, yeah, it is the middle. Yeah. like it, it, it's, And it, it totally feels that way. It totally feels like – they're really it serves no purpose other than to get to the final movie yeah like there is no circumstance during the rest of your life that you'll ever sit down to just watch this movie no because um, i mean you really do have to have like some sort of previous insight you know or knowledge to go into this movie uh without seeing the other with at least you know the first of it yeah like th there's 
but like the like if you skip this movie and went straight to the third the only thing that would be confusing is the third would start with a dragon flying through the sky right. and you'd be like where'd the dragon come from so i but feel I mean, even then i'd still think like <laughs> you'd be okay in a way i don't know yeah i i think that essentially you watch the first movie suffer through that you watch the them climbing up the mountain and finding Smaug, and then you watch the third movie. Yeah, I mean, who knows? They might do another prologue in the in front of the third movie that explains like you know everything up until, and then they'll be like twelve months later. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I might. <laughs> I, I almost want to do my own fan edit of this. <laughs> I mean, it's going to happen for sure. Someone's going to do it where they're just going to cut it all down into one movie. And it'll be 45 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Carson is saying you should should must avoid it. I am saying it's a wait for rental. Um, but yeah. It's I mean, a- especially like if you didn't, you know, if you weren't a fan of the first movie like I was like I don't think like this one will win you over no yeah it's it's not gonna it's not gonna make up for the first one yeah I mean if you liked if you enjoyed the first one then yeah you'll probably get something out of this one I think if you watch the first one and this one together your overall opinion would be a little bit higher than if you just watched the first one um I, I think if you're watching them together this one will elevate the first a little bit um <clears throat> but maybe but on its own it, it doesn't do a whole lot yeah so cool all right well uh, that's the end of this review so carson if people want to find you throughout the week where can they do that <clears throat> uh you can go to uh practicalcandy.wordpress.com where i'll be watching my uh blu-ray copy of reign of fire <laughs> to figure out how crappy uh, dragons can look uh, no, to figure out how awesome they looked back in uh, 10 years ago. Yeah, I think uh, if you watched that Blu-ray copy tonight, you'd be like, eh, maybe not as good as smoke. I I would beg to differ. All right. Anyways, so people can find me over at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. Find the podcast over at TheSpoilerWarning.com where you get all the back episodes of the show. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning to figure out when these episodes go live or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug. So hope you're enjoying that more than Carson. (laughs) Enjoyed the CG Smaug. So... Yes. All right, and uh, next week American Hustle, right? Uh, yes. And um, yeah. Is there anything else coming out too? Uh, Anchorman Two comes out. Ah, yeah, that's right. We get to tell Sandy got to go after themselves again. Walking with Dinosaurs comes out. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I don't want to see it in theaters, but I kind of want to watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now I will give you that the the CGI on Smaug looks better than the CGI in Walking with Dinosaurs. <laughs> dude, the CGI in Walking with Dinosaurs actually looks good. No, dude, it looks pretty bad. What are you talking about? Dude, that's like one step away from like a straight to DVD, like Dino Time. Are you like, kidding me? No. 
I think you've been smoking too much of that gator meth. I think you've been smoking too much about of the of the Dude, blue meth. The walkie dinosaur walking with dinosaurs looks bad. Like the, the Are you effects. kidding me? Dude, j just the just the fire effects in the background of any of those scenes looks amazing. Uh, dude, the movie Dinosaur, the Disney movie, that movie was cool. Dude, you, you're just, like, you're just trying to pick fights with me now. Dude, no, do you remember that movie? That was a good movie. The uh, animation in that was pretty awesome. Alright. Looks way better than Walking with Dinosaurs, I can tell you that. Okay. We're back, a dinosaur story. That was pretty good, too. I, I, pre I prefer uh, Denver, the last dinosaur. Land Before Time? <laughs> What about Dinosaurs, the TV show? Oh, no, no that was some good CG. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was actually real. Like they, yeah, yeah. They had real dinosaurs, I'm surprised. Obviously. I'm surprised you didn't say that one when we're talking about Smaug. Well, it's, you know, they're dinosaurs, not dragons. Like, I think they should have been guys in suits. Smaug would have been better if it was actually Dude, Benedict Cumberbatch in a suit. That would have been pretty awesome. I'll definitely. All right, so people don't want to hear us ramble on, on anymore, so I'm just going to say goodbye. And thank you guys for listening. <laughs> Smog for the win. Benedict Cumberbatch in just like a dragon suit. He's got the head on. He's just not even big. He's just walking around. He's like, hello. And he fights Jason Statham. I would t I'd totally watch that. All right. <laughs>